Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this email Friday, March the 3rd, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we have two emails that we received that are really quite different from one another. And we're going to be going through them so that you know how the world is taking a look at the Christian faith in an improper way and a proper way. First of all, the improper way. I have been saying for some time that there's no doubt that evolution has really changed people's views about all kinds of things. First of all, about science. I, I, I don't believe in evolution at all. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's a very simple reason why I don't, is number one, the Bible contradicts evolution. Six 24-hour days, God created the world, not in millions and millions of years. Second of all, we travel right now around 600 miles a week, going to four congregations, helping them out with Lenten services, Sunday services, etc. And on our trip, I kind of like to eat. We leave before breakfast oftentimes at 4 a.m. in the morning uh, in order to get to the first congregation time. And that's on Sundays we're talking about. And I get there at 7.30, have an adult instruction. At 8.30, have a worship service. At 9.30, have a Bible study. At 11 o'clock, have another worship service. And at noon, have a second adult instruction class with different people in it that were at the first one. So we don't have a chance to stop to have breakfast or even lunch. And so we take food with us. I'm going to talk about four fruit that I really enjoy. Number one is pineapple. That is so delicious. Uh, my wife Louise cuts it up into pieces for me. I wouldn't mind eating like five pineapples, but she cuts only about a half of one up. And then... There's apples, and then two kinds of grapes, you know, the dark grapes and the light grapes. These are all fruit with juice in them. Now, there's also sandwiches and this sort of thing for later. But the fact of the matter is, when I bite into a pineapple, that is a totally different taste than an apple or than grapes. And we're told that a grape, what, became an apple? Or that it became an orange? That's something else I love eating is oranges. Just taste them. They are so different in taste. How did one evolve from one to the next? Evolution comes about because people think everything came about naturally. So obviously, since there are diamonds in the earth, it had to take thousands of years for a diamond to appear naturally. Diamonds come from trees that become fossilized and under much pressure can become a diamond. Well, that doesn't happen overnight, except for one thing. 
Jesus Christ is the one who created all things according to John chapter one. And therefore, remember what he created instantaneously? There were gallons and gallons of water at a wedding where they had run out of wine. And he simply said the word and all the water became wine. Uh, chemists have figured out that it would take the power of an atomic bomb to make that much wine that quickly. And of course, there was no bomb or anything. It just became wine. That same God created all things instantaneously so that in the Garden of Eden, if you had gone there, say, the eighth day of creation, when Adam and Eve had only been created for three or four days, you would never have guessed that they were three or four years old. You would have guessed they were anywhere from 18 years old up into the 20s because they were able to have children and they were already eating from trees that existed and so they didn't have to wait for them to grow either. In other words, evolution teaches wrong teaching. That's why I like calling it evolution rather than evolution. Well, guess what? This happens also in the theological realm. And I'm going to read a little bit from this first email. Most of us have been born into a religious belief system that has defined and shaped how we view and experience life. In fact, over 80% of the world's population identify themselves with some form of religion. In most instances, our concept of God was formed through our early religious indoctrination. If you happen to be born in the United States, your religious context was likely some form of Christianity. Those born in the Middle East likely experienced God from an Islamic perspective. Then it goes on. At its core, all religions offer principles of living and God. Religion in and of itself is not a bad thing. However, it has been used to cause great destruction, division, war, and suffering. People use religion to justify hate, murder, and discrimination because the reality is religion is doctrine and is not God. Now, you, you see what this email writer is doing? He's taking the point of view that wherever you were born, that's the kind of religion that you have. And, and therefore, you didn't evolve from anything that you weren't born into. In other words, religion is something that either your family had or didn't have, and you learned it. And religion is not really about God. It's about different doctrines. He goes on. While most religions consider its tenets as a pathway to God, the truth is that our connection to God is not based on a religious affiliation. 
You understand what he's saying? It, it doesn't matter what religion you are. You, you may think that that's how you get connected to God, but that's not how you connect it to God. In fact, he goes on, all religions were created by imperfect human beings, not by God. Now, we in Christianity agree with that statement when we're talking about other religions outside of Christianity. We've spoken about this for some time now, the difference between a natural religion, which comes from the mind of human beings in their fallen state, and a revealed religion, which has things to say that are totally contrary to human reasoning and thinking. In fact, he goes on to say the following. The foundation of religions is faith, which means there is no empirical evidence or proof to support the belief. Now, do we agree with that or not? You may be surprised to hear that I do agree with that. There's no doubt that the foundation of Christianity is faith and that there is no empirical evidence or proof to support what we believe. What do I mean by that? I mean that the Bible says things that you either believe happened or didn't happen. I mean, did Jesus really take some gallons of water and turn them into wine instantaneously? That is totally against all human reason. Did he take a few fish and some bread and feed 5,000 people? That doesn't make any sense. The foundation of every false religion, though, does have some kind of evidence to support the beliefs. I cannot find a false religion outside of Christianity that does not teach that we are saved by our works. Why? Because in the world, if you're looking at the temporal world, you get ahead by what you do. It, it happens all over the place. You go to the next grade because you complete the tests in the previous grade. You may get the spouse you want to marry because you're very nice to him or her, and therefore you earn the right to get married to them. You may get an advancement at your job because you're a very, very good worker and people want to give you a promotion with higher pay. So when they think about how do I get to heaven, the empirical evidence from here on earth is that you get ahead by your works. So that's why every false religion teaches that it is by works that one is saved. It's only Christianity that teaches it is not by your works that you get right with God, but it is by the works of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins, etc. 
Now, the email goes on after saying there's no empirical evidence or proof to support one's belief. There's no doubt that we have the evidence of the Holy Spirit. The third article of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, its meaning is very clear that we do not come to faith because we choose to believe in Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit works in us through his word and sacraments to create a faith that believes the unbelievable. In most other religions, their teachings make sense. In Christianity, they are against human reason. That's found in Corinthians, where it says the unbeliever is totally, has no ability to understand God's word apart from the Holy Spirit. So the text goes on. Even the most astute theologian will acknowledge that the sacred texts have many interpretations and unsubstantiated stories. Now see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is that unsubstantiated? Well, from the point of view of evidence, it is. All we have is God's word. In fact, I almost laugh at people trying to prove that Christianity makes sense. They'll say, well, 500 people saw Jesus rise from the dead. They saw him after his resurrection. Well, where did they get that evidence? Was that from Caesar Augustus, who has letters from people that wrote to him saying, we have seen Jesus rise from the dead? No, there is no such evidence. The idea that 500 people saw him is a statement made from Scripture. So if people do not believe the Bible, there is no evidence that Jesus rose from the dead because that's what the Bible teaches. There's no doubt, therefore, that one cannot reason someone into the Christian faith. That, that is a lost cause. One instead does what Jesus does. He met two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you'll recall, and they were confused. Why did their wonderful person die on a cross? Why are women telling them that he rose from the dead? Jesus explained it to them by using the Old Testament verses from Genesis through Malachi. This email goes on. If we were really honest, none of us knows for sure the validity of any doctrines. This is why it is difficult for many independent thinkers who rely on verifiable evidence to believe many of the stories in religious text. For example, in the Bible, it speaks about serpent telling Eve to eat the apple. 
Well, already the email writer is wrong. It doesn't say she ate an apple. She ate fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We might assume it was an apple, but we don't know for sure. But then the email goes on. A talking snake? Or consider the story of the man who was in the big fish for three days. Those who dare question the validity of these events are often attacked as if questioning Scripture is an attack on God. Well, guess what? That's what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. He questioned God what he had said, and Eve fell into the trap, and therefore she also attacked God by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because she wanted to be like God. I had a professor at the seminary who taught that there could not have been a serpent in the garden talking to Adam and Eve. And you know what his reason was? Snakes don't have vocal cords. That's actually what he wrote in a book. That's how far off people are when they take a look at God's word. They, they can't believe what it has to say. And, and so apart from the Holy Spirit, the word of God is really quite ridiculous. But with the Holy Spirit, it makes sense. I told a congregation recently when I was preaching that I could start going through many a thing that you believe and you'll have no doubts about it. Like they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They had manna come down from heaven every day until they got to the land of Canaan. Elijah raised a boy from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus raised himself from the dead after his crucifixion. There is no evidence for any of that except the word of God. And that's why again and again in the Bible, we are to listen to the word of God. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? God said the father to his son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Therefore, there's no doubt that most religions, if not all of them outside of Christianity, come from an evolutionary point of view, from the concepts of man. Taking a look at the way the world works from his point of view, and therefore saying, that's how we work with God. The email goes on. Imagine a world without religion, no Christianity, no Islam, no Hinduism. We would be able to truly discover God who did not cease speaking to his creation when the sacred texts were written thousands of years ago. Imagine a God that is not limited to a set of principles and traditions, a God that is not restricted to a particular belief system, 
How differently would our world be if rather than discovering God through a religious perspective, we were able to discover God for ourselves without a prescribed philosophy? And the word philosophy is the wisdom of man. No, no wisdom of man ever has discovered the true God. No doubt about that. So this is an email that's about secularism, trying to figure out that there is no religion that has the truth because nothing can be verifiable. But those who trust the scriptures through the power of the Holy Spirit have all the evidence that we need. In, in fact, the more you read the scriptures, the more you are able to understand many parts of the scriptures. The second email is quite different. It is entitled, Devout Christians Are Not Better, They Are Different. And it starts off with 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49. Just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, that's referring to Adam, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, what is that talking about? The email goes on, it's noble for a man to desire to be better than he is currently. Too often we settle for minor improvements in ourselves and then think we've done enough change by virtue of our past behavior. However, this is not enough. It's commendable for a man to seek to be better because such a person recognizes that personal development is necessary for his life. How many people have you come across that seem oblivious, ignorant of their poor manners or bad character? They can notice the need for others to improve their attitude and personality, but I, they are blind to their own shortcomings. So it's good to desire change and request others to pray that you can become a better person. But there are better prayers than this. It may shock you, but God isn't interested in making you a better version of yourself. He's already created you with your particular peculiarities and quirks, enough to set you apart from everyone in the world. Being better doesn't quite cut the mustard as far as God is concerned, because inherent in that desire is a dormant denial of the proper standard. If we're honest, we've encountered individuals with improper qualities. And when we get a whiff of that quality in our lives, we detest it and seek to be better by comparison to those people. In fact, the proof of this kind of a mindset is when a person says, I don't do what so-and-so that that person does, or Boy, some people do things like this, but not me. See, that's proof that you had the same kind of attitude as the Pharisees had. 
they, they thank God that they were not like publican sinners, tax collectors working for the Romans. In proper posture, the publican asked for mercy because he was a sinner. The humble publican did not compare himself to others or seek some subjective goodness in contrast to his neighbors. No, he realized he didn't need to be better. He needed to be different. And that's what Christianity gives you. Every other false religion in the world has as its goal to make you better. But in Christianity, God's goal is to make you different. Why? God isn't that concerned with making us better human beings, but he wants to make us like himself. In fact, that's what the apostle says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What's that talking about? That God the Father declared Jesus to be sin for us, even though he knew no sin, in order that when he died, he would be dying for us as sinners, and that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is called the gospel, in contrast to what every other religion trust in, and that is the law. They trust in the law, thinking that if they can only improve themselves, God will like them better, maybe even love them better, and finally save them. Only in Christianity can you get sure promises of the assurance of salvation. You can't find those promises in any other religion because they're always based on your good works that people know they fail in. This is what is meant by the gospel and the sacrifice Christ made on Calvary. Christ remakes us to be like his son. The email goes on, this is the blessed work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Rightly the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It doesn't say a better creature, but something drastically different, which no other religion can provide. Join with us Monday as we continue with Law and Gospel in examining a biblical text. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.